Warning. This podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. snap I think I think we're doing it live I think we're doing it live once again ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the I'm no Joe podcast the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo today as does tend to happen I'm flying solo in this bitch the regular panel members that you've come to know and love are all fucking busy. It's the 4th of July weekend. It's to be expected. But more importantly, it is International Fight Week. And International Fight Week brings us the thing that we wait for for the entire first half of the year. And that is the biggest card the UFC will put on for the first half of the year. In 2019's case, we have a dual title defense. We have Jones versus Santos and Nunez versus Holmes at 135. So before we jump into the meat and potatoes section of the card, as it were, we'll do like we always do here. We do have some news and recent events since the last time we got to do a show and spend some time with you fine folks. We're getting the audio thing again. Audio streams current fit rate is a thing. I don't know. It seems to be working. Let me check something real quick. I don't know. Show's just fine on my side of the playback, so I'm just going to ignore that for right now. It's fucking with me. So, news and recent events. First thing I'm going to talk about here, there's been a bunch of fights announced this week. The International Fight Week has been a beautiful excuse for the UFC while everybody is condensed down in Vegas for the Hall of of Fame ceremony and things like that. They have taken full advantage of doing press and letting all the nice little juicy tidbits roll out for the UFC. So we're going to start at the top of the list here with some of the fights that have been announced. Uh, Some of them have dates, some of them do not have dates. Uh, Some of them are still in talks and are not official, but most of them for lack of a better term, are ready to roll. It's just a matter of getting to that card. So right out the gate, the first thing here, Aluminum Mike Perry against Vincente Luque for August 10th. Vincente Luque, I've been screaming about for months and months and months. He was a great, great prospect on Ultimate Fighter. He is into the UFC now, and the man is starting to make some fucking waves. Keep your eyes out, because Aluminum Mike has had a rough fucking road lately. Ever since he tried that bullshit going to Winkle John and taking over against Cowboy, and we all saw how fucking laughably piss poor that went. He has just been on a shit streak, and if Luke can hold his shit together, he can keep Aluminum Mike in the recycling bin where those of us that hate that loudmouth motherfucker would prefer him to stay. But the next fight I want to talk about real quick that was just announced this week that, oh, shit, has some spicy potential as far as the belt goes, depending on what Rose decides to do. 
Joanna versus the Karate Hottie. That's an interesting matchup. The Karate Hottie, I feel, is screaming very loudly for her chance at the belt, but I don't know that she has realistically earned it. And with Joanna on the skids right now, that could make for a very interesting matchup. Karate Hottie's got to have her shit together, though. So we'll wait and see how that one plays out. The next one here, I'm not really sure how I feel about this one for a couple of reasons. Talking about Jack the Joker Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier uh, to headline September 28th's card. Uh, I, on one hand, I feel like Cannonier does deserve a big name after dropping Silva, but at the same time, I don't think that Hermanson's really as big of a name as he deserves for stopping Anderson Silva, for fuck's sake. But on the other side of that, I feel like the same thing is valid for Hermanson. I feel like Hermanson might have had a couple of misguided outings, but he really deserves a, a top guy. And at the same time, even though Cannoneer stopped Silva, I, I definitely give him top 10, but I don't think he's really a top five tier guy. And I think, honestly, Hermanson is ready for a top five guy. But we'll see. This could just shake out and be exactly what we need to, to figure out where both of them stack in the division. So... Moving on from there, interesting, interesting match and placement for this one here. I'm talking about JoJo, Joanne Calderwood versus Andrea KGB Lee in Abu Dhabi. That is an interesting matchup, both stylistically, also for the fact that they are two of the palest white ladies in the UFC going to fight in the Middle East card, which is, you know, great on them. Just irony is a little palpable there, in my opinion. No, you know, no judgment. Um, the next fight I'm going to talk about real quick, as my dog takes off with my pillows, apparently, is uh, Edson Barboza versus Paul Felder 2, the rematch. In Abu Dhabi as well. So, very, very interesting potential there. Neither one of these gentlemen are the same fighter that they were when they faced the first time. They've both got worlds more experience, but on the other side of that, they both also have some significant injuries and losses since the last time they fought as well. So, that one, realistically, I think that's one of those where. I love both of those guys. I fucking love Edson. I still think he's got some of the most dangerous kicks in the fucking world. I still think he's got a lot of potential. Same with Felder. He has still got that fucking hand from hell. The Irish Dragon is far from done. But both of those gentlemen, I feel like, have sort of crested as far as their careers have gone and are uh, about to start the, the second half or the back nine, as it were, of their combat sports careers. But I like that they're matching them back up again. It's two guys that are about the same age as far as UFC experience, as far as mileage goes, as far as points in their career, and they could still potentially give us a really great fight. So I still think there's a lot of good good potential in that matchup. But the biggest fight that has been announced this week, in my opinion here, just confirmed yesterday, the headliner for UFC 243, the fight that we've been waiting for, Robert Bobby Knuckles Whitaker versus Israel, the last style bender at Asanyo for the unified 185 belt. 
oh shit that's gonna be such a great fight that's such a great fight and not for nothing but when they get to do the unofficial first face-off between the two of them of course as always robert whitaker shows up he's got a nice suit on and israel adesanya true to who he is shows up in blue jean shorts knee-high socks slippers t-shirt fanny pack he's fully rocking the tourist look and i fucking love that dude mutual respect on both parts there's no there's not a lot of shit talking there's not a lot of animosity or anything but rumor has it we may get to see this fight go down in australia now they asked dana about it at the press conference and he could not remember so they're planning it for somewhere in the australia new zealand area that's going to be a great fight great fight later on this year a couple more things news-wise that I do want to mention, not fight announcement related, real quick, and then we'll get into some meat and potatoes here. Uh, first and foremost, John Lineker has been cut from the UFC. The hands of stone no longer fly under the UFC banner. Now, this could mean a couple of things, in my opinion, overall here. First and foremost, it means that they are starting to thin out the regiment of smaller guys that they have. They've already confirmed it a million fucking times, despite what everybody heard, despite what we all thought, despite what some of us were looking forward to potentially seeing. They're not getting rid of the flyweight division. The little guys are sticking around, but it definitely looks like they're thinning the herd down there. Um, Lineker, to his credit, has been around for fucking ever. But as we've talked about the last couple times, his fights have come up during one of our podcasts. He's just fucking unreliable. And when you've got a guy that's unreliable, dangerous or not, you're not doing yourself any favors by keeping him on the fucking roster. So he got cut. Now, the other side of that is that this now means that he could potentially take those hands of stone of his and go over to, I don't know, maybe a Ryzen, maybe a 1FC where perhaps the uh, – supplement testing is a little less lax and he could get a little gusto going and maybe make a run over there or there's another possibility that I've tossed around with a couple of other fellow MMA meatheads like myself and we think may be interesting is if those hands of stone trot on over to BKFC and uh, throw some real power at some bare knuckle boxing because whether you care for John Lineker as a fighter, as a person or not, you cannot deny that those hands of stone are fucking legit. He has proven time and time again, he's got a fucking highlight reel to show that when that man connects with your chin, he can do serious fucking sleepy time damage to you. And you take that over to bare knuckle where there's no fucking gloves and dudes generally get
I think, I think, I think we might have pulled it out. I think we might have saved it. Let's see. I'm waiting. I'm watching. I'm watching and waiting. I see hamsters. I see hamsters. We're live. We made it back. Holy shit, ladies and gentlemen. That was insane. <sighs> Sorry about the disconnect there. As you can tell, the hamster fell clearly off the fucking wheel. So we'll pick back up real quick. Part two. Arjun Buller. We were just talking about. He got signed with 1FC. Props to Arjun. The last little piece of news I want to talk about real quick before we get into some meat and potatoes here. During the Hall of Fame induction ceremony yesterday, there was a 7.1 earthquake in California. Someone yelled out about it during Rashad Evans's induction ceremony speech, and he immediately and wittedly replied, without missing a beat, nah, baby, that's just me bringing that heat. So congrats to all the 2019 uh, UFC Hall of Fame inductees. Now. Let's settle in a little bit here, because uh, it's time to get into the meat and potatoes, as it were. UFC 239, International Fight Week. Holy shit, has this lead-up been incredible to this card. So, as with most cards, we're not going to talk about every card on the fight, especially now, since we had technical difficulties and it's pushing us to try and crunch this all in so what we are going to talk about let me get this pulled back up on my trusted device here the opening fight for the earlies i didn't agree that panty was a good choice for ultimate fighter when she was on it i don't agree that she's a good choice for the ufc in total i think if they're going to allow her to be in here keeping her on the early, early prelims is the best place to be. She, she just isn't there yet. Um, Chance ran couture puts on a lot of hype during the fucking weigh-ins, but we'll see if that transfers over into the ring. Not very interested in that fight. The one that I am interested in talking about in the early prelims though, is Ed Shabazian versus Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman lost his debut by getting KO'd by Tiago Santos at 185. Now he's coming back after Shabazian. Shabazian is undefeated right now with a lot of hype, but he looked a little sloppy last time. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think Marshman's going to be able to take that. I think he's going to outpower Shabazian. So we're going to move along from there, pushing this straight on through into the prelims. Beautiful, beautiful prelim card for this fucking event. So we're going to jump right in. Alejandro Perez versus Song Yudong. This is going to be a battle of the little guys. It's going to be fucking spectacular. There's going to be fireworks everywhere. But I think as good as Perez is, Song Yudong is going to take this. Moving along from there. Interesting matchup. Not quite as big, but definitely very interesting. Claudia Gadelia, Gadelia versus Randa Marcos. Now, we've talked about it more than enough times to know Random Marcos is a goddamn snooze fest. You cannot fucking count on her. She is the definition of inconsistency. But Claudia Gadelia, even though she looked good at the weigh-ins, has not been on the top of her game lately. That being said, I think against Marcos, Gadelia is going to take this. Next up, this was going to be 
a very fucking great matchup. This was going to be Cheeto Vera versus Sugar Sean O'Malley, but as we all know, the fucking sugar train has been derailed once again by tainted supplements. He's pleading his fucking innocence, but if you saw Anatomy of the Fighter this week, shout out to Will Harris, you're the fucking man, dude. Uh, if you saw the Anatomy of a Fighter that he put out this week, he actually was at the PI when Sean O'Malley met Cheeto Vera and personally apologized for fucking up his fight plans and said that he was glad that he got the fight and, you know, it, it was his fault even though he didn't do anything and it was nice to see him at least own up to the fuck up even though he's still trying to say it's all tainted supplements and now they're saying that this one looks like it's probably not a supplement issue. So we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. But what happened in light of that is we got a last minute replacement in Nolan Hernandez. Now, props to you, sir. Fucking huge props to you for taking a last minute fight. Least of all, a last minute fight against fucking Chito Vera, who is on an absolute tear right now. Um, I commend you for taking this fight, but I don't think you're going to win it. I think Chito Vera is still fired up. I think he's got a good camp underneath him. I think he comes out of this with the fucking W here. Now, that brings us to the prelim fight on the, or the premier fight, rather, on the prelim card. Prospect Arnold Allen taking on Gilbert Melendez. Now, I'm going to have to be completely honest here. I did not realize that Gilbert Melendez had any fights left on his fucking contract. I did not realize that he was still an active fighter in the UFC. I thought he was strictly just an MMA analyst slash ESPN MMA journalist. I honestly did not think he still had any fights on his contract. And I'm kind of surprised he did because Gilbert hasn't really been shit to watch in a hot minute granted he had his fucking heyday just like most fighters in the ufc have but as with most of the guys that we talk in this general matter about that fucking heyday his fucking prime is long since past gilbert is not going to win the fucking belt gilbert is not going to take the gold anytime soon he is another one that is in the tail end of his career he's on the back nine if you will he's closing in on 18 it's almost time to hang him up if he doesn't hang him up after tonight's fight because I don't see him winning this. I think Arnold Allen is too much for the old Gilbert fucking grandpa that he has turned into. I think Arnold Allen takes this one from him. Now, moving on from there, that will bring us to the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes that is the meat and potatoes of this episode, that being the main card. So we're going to jump right the fuck in here, right at the top, the very tippy top. The first fight on the fucking card here, Michael Chiesa versus Diego Sanchez. Now, this is an interesting matchup, both stylistically and personally, because of who Chiesa is trying to become and who fucking Sanchez is or isn't, depending on how you're referencing it here. Now, I will say this. Diego Sanchez, to this day, still shows up to fight. The problem is he's legitimately mentally ill, in my opinion. His shenanigans aren't just shenanigans because he doesn't just do them in the cage. If you watch Diego Sanchez genuinely and thoroughly, okay, I do believe that there, I'm not going to say this is a CTE issue because he's always been like this. I think there's a legitimate mental issue with Diego Sanchez, despite all of the other things he has going on and his current last win. I don't give a fuck. I think there's something seriously wrong with that man's brain. And I think in this situation, he's going to come in 
too fucking aggro, too hyped off of his uh, induction from the fight versus Plague Guida into the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to get too sloppy, and I think Kiesa is going to fucking take him. Now, the next fight after that is one of the big fights that I personally am watching for on this card. I think this has got a lot of potential to ripple through the division right now. This is Jan Vlahovic welcoming Luke Rockhold to 205. Now, I get that Luke is saying that his power's transferred up and that he feels good at 205 because he's cutting less weight, but at the same time, Luke didn't have a fucking chin at 185, and I don't believe Luke is going to have a chin at 205, least of all against a fucking monster like Jan Blahovich. I think Blahovich is going to put Luke to fucking sleep this evening. Speaking of people getting put to sleep this evening... The fight that I know TJ and I have been looking forward to most probably in the last couple of months. And it's a shame that he's not here to talk about this with me because I know he would definitely play the devil's advocate to what I'm about to say here. But that brings us to the fight Jorge Masvidal versus Funky Ben Askren. Now, I understand that TJ is a huge Ben Askren fan. He loves the wrestling. He loves the style. I don't. Fuck that guy. He's a goddamn clown. He's a chicken shit. Robbie Lawler put him on his fucking head, and he knows damn well he didn't have Robbie Lawler out. He used Herb Dean's bad calls as an excuse and then bitched out of a possible rematch because he knew he was going to get fucked up, which, in my opinion, is why Robbie got to jump over this curly-headed fuck and go right to Colby for the title contender eliminator, fighting the, I don't know if you would call it current or still active uh, interim champion. He still has the belt. Uh, Dana has said he is still the number one contender. Uh, he was originally going to get his fight finally against fucking Usman before Usman got surgery, but Robbie now gets to fight Colby. Ben gets to fight Jorge. Jorge has been told, he says, that he beats Askren, he gets the title shot. I can understand that as well. I don't understand how Askren even got to where the fuck we are today in the UFC. Fuck that guy. I hope the three-piece in a soda that he received this evening from Jorge is enough to boot his fucking ass back into retirement. I think Jorge puts that son of a bitch to sleep, and I think the world goes, <sighs> because then we don't have to hear as much shenanigans from that loud mouth, curly-headed fuck, at least for a little bit, because you know he's not going to go away that easily. Robbie slamming him on his fucking head showed us that much. But that will bring us to the co-main event here. Amanda the Lioness Nunez versus Holly the Preacher's Daughter with way too many fucking chances, Holmes. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Amanda Nunez overall. But as I've said time and time again, I will always give credit where credit is due. And she is the double champ on the women's side. Is she the women's goat? It's debatable. She's definitely in the conversation. I don't know if she's quite obtained that status yet, but she's definitely got her name in the conversation. Her hat is in that ring. There's no denying that she is a great fighter. That being said, across the octagon from her is quite the fucking opposite. Holly Holm was a great boxer. She was a great kickboxer. She has not been a great MMA fighter. And I understand that 
the beating of Ronda Rousey that she put out got her worldwide recognition immediately. And I think that's fucking bullshit because Ronda was getting sloppy at that point. Ronda was clearly on her way out. She was set in her ways of sticking as a judoka and she was not trying to evolve. Clearly her fucking coach who was now known throughout the MMA world as one of the most epic level pieces of shit, most pathetic fucking coaches ever to disgrace the fucking sport of combat did not get her into fucking head movement, did not get her doing any fucking boxing. And Holly came in with her skill set, which was a great fucking matchup against Ronda's sliding fucking ability and, and desire, obviously. And she beat Ronda and then didn't do a goddamn thing noteworthy since then. She got her ass handed and got that belt immediately taken away from her. She's had the shit beat out of her several times by several everywhere from mediocre to all the way up to Valentina, who we've all seen as one of the baddest bitches in the fucking world, have all just taken their chance kicking the shit out of Holly ever since then. Nothing she has really done has been impressive. She beat Ronda. She beat Betch. Ronda was on her way out. Ronda beat the shit out of Betch. Clearly, that girl should not have been as high-ranked in the UFC as she ever did because almost all of the high-caliber female fighters who have gone up against her have beaten the shit out of her. So Betch Cahaya isn't a fucking brag-worthy note, in my opinion, for Holly to come in hyped on. And she got a new six-fight contract for some fucking reason and another title shot here. I don't think this is anything that should have been made. I don't agree with this fight being made, but I don't make the fights. I think that this does nothing for Amanda's legacy. If she beats Holly, she just beat the female gatekeeper, if you will, one of the most prominent UFC lady suit cams. But on the other side of that, if she loses, Holly gets the fucking belt back in a title shot that she does not, in my opinion, fucking deserve. So that being said, I don't think she's going to fucking get it. I think Amanda's going to do to Holly what she did to Cyborg. I think the Nunez punch is too fucking strong for ladies to handle. And is someone as scary as Cyborg couldn't fucking handle it? I sure as hell don't think the preacher's daughter is going to fucking handle it. I think Nunez by KO. I don't think we see this one go to championship rounds. I think Amanda's going to put that goofy looking female Peyton Manning, giant HGH forehead looking motherfucker to sleep for us tonight. And I will be happy because then we at least won't have to hear about her bullshit again for a little bit. Now, that being said, that brings us to the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes that is the meat and potatoes of our meat and potatoes. The main event of the evening. Johnny Bones Jones in another title defense against Tiago Santos. Maheta, the sledgehammer, the Brazilian nightmare who is now at 205 destroying people as opposed to one. Uh-oh. We got mic issues. Okay. Are we still good? Okay. I'm not really sure what the hell just happened here. 
but we're going to go with it. Okay, anyways. So, Johnny Bones Jones versus Tiago Maheta Santos. People are absolutely sleeping on this fight, in my opinion. Everyone says that Bones is undefeatable, and I agree that John Jones is one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters in the UFC, if not the world. Definitely in the conversation for the P4P GOAT. But I think there comes a point in certain champions' careers where they get complacent and they get too comfortable in their championship status. I think we saw that for sure in Woodley, which is why Usman has that belt. I don't think that Marty from Nebraska did that much to Usman. He absolutely beat him, but I think more of that situation was Woodley headhunting and beating himself because he was too complacent. He thought that he could just easily knock out Usman, and it didn't happen the way that he fucking thought it was going to quite evidently as uh, we have a new champion here. So uh, we're going to call this, for lack of a better terms, the Woodley effect. Um, I think in this situation, Bones is taking a page out of the book of Tyquil. I think he's getting too cocky. I think he's getting too complacent as a champion. And honestly, I, I know that he's got the skills. It's just his mentality that I'm genuinely starting to question. And it, there have been several things that he's done and several things that he said recently that have brought me to this point. But there was absolutely a tipping point where my scale went from 100% confidence in John Jones, despite his bullshit, to legitimately starting to question wonder whether or not I think Bones can continue this run, whether I think he might be at a point now where he's too part complacent, part full of himself, part unfocused to hold on to the championship and be the face of the 205 division anymore. And I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was during this week's UFC embedded series where they're sitting down and they're talking to him and he's doing some just regular B-roll footage talking about the fight coming up. And he says something to the effect of, I get to fight the most dangerous men in the world for a living. And then with 100% earnesty, he looks in the camera and goes, boy, what a job I have. He's not making a joke. He literally said, boy, what a job I have, and looked at the camera. There's something about the way that he said that, the fact that he said that phrase non-ironically, unironically, whatever. It immediately put a fucking horrible taste for him in my mouth. It immediately made me start to question and go back and watch some more of his footage. You can see it a little bit against Smith. You can see it a little bit against Gustafson. You can see it going back several fights, even to the the last fight with him in D.C. There's something about him that just, it's not the same original John Jones fire that we saw. He almost seems entitled, seems like he can only be the champion at this point. And that immediately starts to give me a little bit of an odd feeling about him. Whereas on the other side of that, if you watch the embedded, if you watch some of his, his personal social media stuff, if you watch the more recent developments and the publication of the, not just 
the training, not just the style, but the life of Tiago Santos, what he does, the charities that he takes part in, the children's work that he takes part in, the multiple styles that he practices habitually and routinely and teaches at his school, the reason he is who he is and the way that he is, you can't help but feel that despite having still, you know, English that needs to be worked on and a little bit of a strange sense of, of, of humor slash intimidation, Tiago Santos is a genuine and legitimate threat to anyone in the 205 division, very specifically John Jones. And I'll tell you exactly why. Though John may be a very calculated and a very precise striker and a great grappler, uh, a elbow delivery man like there have never been in the UFC, he's also cocky. He's definitely and noticeably driven by his ego in the ring and as good as he does most of the time there are very 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 many instances where we can see where he's getting cocky and he tries to throw something and it doesn't work because the opponent sees it and reacts in time and it gets in his head or where he comes in he thinks he's doing real well and he gets sloppy not a lot but just enough and in this situation where you have someone with as much power and as many different tools as tiago santos Jones is very, very clearly overlooking this fight. He says that he's present, but you can see in the way that he's saying things and the way that he's acting, he's absolutely not. He's looking beyond this fight. I think that's a bad move for any fighter in any fight. The next fight doesn't matter until this one is over. And when you start overlooking the opponent in front of you for the potential opponent behind him, you overlook a lot of things that could keep you from winning the fight. And I think in this situation, this is genuinely too close of a matchup for me to call because there is always the John Jones factor at play. You can never disregard the fact that he is a legitimate great talent. But at the same time, his fucking ego and his lack of focus present too many opportunities for a guy like Santos, in my opinion, to ignore. And then you add on top of that, the skill set of Santos that is completely being overshadowed by the, the name that is John Jones. You have to think Santos knows what he's in for. He knows who he's up against. He's seen this man there. He knows what he can do. And he knows that if he loses, he loses to John Jones. It's expected of him. But if he wins, he upsets the fucking world. So it's one of those situations where MMA math and all the analysis I could give you in the world isn't going to give you enough to make a guess in this situation because all it would be is a guess in this situation. This fight has so many goddamn factors, you can't educatedly call a winner here. That being said, I'll tell you what I would like to see. What I would like to see is John Jones get cocky and Tiago Santos chase him backwards across the octagon throwing stiff arm full body rock'em sock'em robot shots and putting john jones to fucking sleep if nothing else than just to show the world that that motherfucker is still human and bleeds like everyone else what i think is more likely is that tiago is going to go early out like he tends to do he's going to try and throw that strong left leg uh, left head kick rather he's going to try and throw some strong power shots and jones is going to either block or dodge them He's going to wear him out. And then I think Jones is going to basically have his way with him like he does with almost everybody. 
because most people come in trying to put down early aggression and they lose their fucking steam, even though they're generally all prepared for a five-round championship battle. I don't think that's how it's going to go. Like I said, there's too many factors here to actually call it. What I would like to see, what I think may happen, both could be completely fucking wrong, but the only way to find out is to tune in to UFC 239. And since we are at the point where the prelim or the early prelims rather are getting ready to start right now, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this shit up so that you can stop watching my shit and go watch that shit. I sure as hell will be. So first and foremost, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And I want to double thank everyone who hopped over from the her stream when the hamster fell off the damn wheel. Thank you guys most for tuning along with me here. Thanks everyone that tunes in for watching. I appreciate your support here. If any of my ramblings have given you a giggle, have given you a chuckle, if something I have said has struck a fancy for you, if something I've said resonated and seems logical, seems agreeable to you, give me a thumbs up. Maybe a subscribe. Maybe share this thing. Maybe maybe not this one, but maybe share one of the better episodes that are well constructed here. We're trying to grow the damn thing. On the other side of that, if the technical issues were too much, if the hamster falling off the wheel was too much for you to handle and you just think this is an unprofessional shit show, I agree with you. Give me a thumbs down. I won't dispute it in the least bit. But either way, that's what we've got for today. We're going to call it all for now. Make sure that you guys tune in to UFC 239 this evening. It's going to be fireworks either way it goes. But I appreciate everyone's time. Remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Now, I'm going to get out of here before I end up stuck like a flamingo, just standing on one leg looking like a fool. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. There were funky China men from funky Chinatown. They were chopping them up. They were chopping them down. It's an ancient Chinese art. And everybody knew their part. From a fainting to a slip. And a kicking from the hip. Everybody was kung fu fighting.